As more than 60 countries, half the world's population, seven of the world's 10 most populous nations go to vote in 2024, will this be a year where domestic politics becomes the single biggest factor in foreign policy? Hello and welcome to a whole new season of Worldview with me, Sohasini Heather. Now take a look at the map of the world and you can see just why this is being called the year of elections. 64 countries in all will hold major presidential or parliamentary elections, voting in new prime ministers in 2024. Three important ones for India have already been held. So which are those? That's Bhutan. There was a vote for change there, but also continuity as former Prime Minister Shirin Topke, who was Prime Minister from 2013 to 2018, was elected. He will be sworn in soon and is expected to make his first visit to India. Bangladesh, no change as Sheikh Hasina won a record-breaking fourth term in office. Her new foreign minister is due to visit India on February the 7th. Relations on track there. And then there's Taiwan, where people voted back the anti-China Democratic Progressive Party, William Lai Chingte, to power. The question now, will this vote result uh, actually hasten or hinder Beijing's stated objectives, stated plans to reunify or annex Taiwan? And that's an event that will no doubt lead to major conflict. There'll be a lot of geopolitics around it. Now, while India welcomed the results in Bhutan and Bangladesh and actually congratulated the winners, there were very guarded words from the Ministry of External Affairs spokesperson on Taiwanese elections, given that India does not recognize Taiwan, but has growing ties with Taipei. Listen in. So on Taiwan, our position is that we have taken, we have taken note of the recent developments in Taiwan. India has strong and growing people-to-people -people ties, cultural, educational, trade, and investment links with Taiwan. Government of India facilitates these exchanges and look forward, looks forward to continuing them for shared prosperity and development. So what are some of the other major elections still expected to be held this year, apart from, of course, the biggest one in India itself? Uh, those countries whose results could impact either ties with India or geopolitics in general. So let's get you that list of 10 still remaining, beginning with South Asia, India's neighborhood, and there's Pakistan. February the 8th is when the elections will be held. And while it's clear that the most popular leader, Imran Khan, is in jail, his party has now lost even its election symbol. Uh, for India, uh, the expected win of Nawaz Sharif could actually open another effort in restarting ties that have been frozen for nearly a decade. Remember, Prime Minister Modi made his visit to Pakistan during Mr. Sharif's tenure. Mr. Sharif had come to India uh, for Mr. Modi's swearing in. So there are possibilities over there. Turning next to the Maldives. And remember, Maldives has already held a presidential election last year. Um, but now there is the Majlis elections on March 17th. And given the rocky start to India-Maldives relations after President Muizu was elected and, of course, his visit to Beijing, New Delhi is going to hope that the National Assembly, the Majlis elections in March, actually check the ruling coalition's power a little bit and actually give a boost to the former PPM that was the ruling party. President Moise's demand that India withdraw its troops by March 15th is also, of course, timed with those elections just two days before. Then there's Sri Lanka. Presidential and parliamentary polls are actually due later this year. And while it's unclear when they will actually be held later this year, 
New Delhi is going to hope for continuity with an island where ties with India are often an election issue, not necessarily a positive one. Although this time there's going to be bipartisan goodwill for India after the economic support it has delivered to Sri Lanka during its crisis. Let's turn from South Asia then to the P5, the big powers. Uh, there's Russia, March 15th to 17th. Elections are expected to hand President Vladimir Putin another term, further solidifying his control there in Moscow. In fact, Prime Minister Modi is expected to travel to Moscow later this year for the first summit of the expanded BRICS grouping. It went from five countries to 10. And that's something the world is going to watch given BRICS's new power and energy heft. Um, European Union is going to parliamentary elections Ju June 6th to 9th. It's not something we often focus on, but certainly remember that the elections do decide the fate of many important issues. Uh, for example, support for the Ukraine war, the EU's stand on Israel's war on Gaza, for example, immigration policies of countries, trade negotiations, of course, including with India. Also, the EU stand in general on human rights issues. Uh, so those elections will be watched. And then, of course, the big one, United States, uh, November the 5th. And of course, if India is the world's largest uh, democracy, the most number of people going to vote, uh, the U.S. sees itself as the oldest democracy. Uh, and now the process has started with the New Hampshire primaries expected at the end of January. U.S. election season is already kicking in uh, if the final contest becomes what many are expecting is a rematch between President Biden and former President Trump. New Delhi and the world will need to prepare for a real dust-up. Will it be a repeat of 2020? Will it be a repeat of the previous 2016 elections? Um, and then we turn to the United Kingdom, which are expected to go to vote. Uh, they're due by the end of the year, so by the end of December. The opposition labor there remains ahead of the ruling conservatives at present. India is going to watch most closely to see if it is possible to close its free trade agreement deal with the Rishi Sunak government before the elections. Otherwise, that might get disrupted as well. And finally, there are the global South countries that count and that are going to vote. There's Indonesia on February 14th. President Joko Widodo isn't actually standing himself. He has hit his term limits, but his son is the running mate to the front runner candidate, Defense Minister Prabowo Subianto. Now, if Prabowo doesn't get 50% of the vote on February, in February, there's going to be a runoff on June 26th between the two uh, candidates with the highest number of votes, much like the Maldives. Uh, then we have Mexico that goes to vote on June the 2nd. Mexico actually has a single term limit, so there is going to be a new face there no matter what. And finally, South Africa. Between May and August this year, we're going to see the ANC party, Nelson Mandela's party, fight its toughest election since the end of apartheid in the 1990s. President Cyril Ramaphosa's uh, policies as a result on BRICS, on the global south, uh, ties with India, the International Court of Justice case against Israel that South Africa is now fighting. Uh, all of those will actually hang in the balance as the South African voter decides on their next government. So what's worldview's take on all these important elections during the year? Firstly, while democracy means much more than elections, it's not just elections, these polls are important as barometers of which way the world will turn, which way each of these countries will turn on several global issues. So from climate change and trade to conflicts uh, like Ukraine and Israel and the international rule of law. Secondly, with a larger number of democracies actually turning authoritarian, and we cover this on Worldview, 
dissenters being jailed, questions being asked over electronic voting machines or EVMs. Remember, only four nations use EVMs for nationwide elections around the world. Um, and so there are many questions there. The personalization of bilateral ties by many, summit-level diplomacy, as it's called, populism prevailing as policy worldwide. Some might say democracy itself is on the ballot this year. What must be remembered is that foreign policy is once a matter of political consensus. Both sides, the opposition and the ruling party, had consensus on foreign policy. These are now a matter of swing. And it's more worrying for India when a change of government changes policies towards India or turns in favor of another country, for example, in the neighborhood like China. So lots to think about in this election year, epic election year as it's being called, and what should you be reading? Let's get you the worldview reading recommendations. Uh, the first is a book that's come out quite recently last year. It's called The Great Experiment, Why Diverse Democracies Fail, Fall Apart and How They Can Endure. This is by Yasha Monk. Uh, another book called The Twilight of Democracy, I think I've spoken about it before, The Failure of Politics and the Parting of Friends by Anne Applebaum. Uh, another book that I've really enjoyed reading, we had her on Worldview, is How to Stand Up to a Dictator by journalist Maria Ressa, also a Nobel laureate. Uh, and then a book you will enjoy if you, if you like history and you're a history buff. It's got a lot of little nuggets in there. It's called The Shortest History of Democracy by John Keane. Of course, Keane writes a lot about democracy. He's also the author of a slightly contentious book in India called Killing Democracy, and that's really about India. He's a co-author of that. And then finally, The Age of the Strongman, How the Cult of the Leader Threatens Democracy Around the World by Gideon Rachman. He writes about leaders around the world. He includes India in there. Uh, we hope you enjoy reading all of those, but please do write into Worldview and tell us what you think, what you'd like to hear from us about this year, and a happy new year to you all from the team. Thanks for watching.